So we've started like a, a series, we started a series on discipleship and last week when I was sharing and preaching, I looked at uh, uh, following the rabbi, looking back a little bit at, at first century history and what it was like to follow a rabbi in those days. And uh, we are following a rabbi, we are following Jesus. Sorry if we can take up an offering at the same time, sorry I forgot that, I just see the baskets there. Lord, we thank you for your abundant provision in our lives, your blessing. Bless the tithes and offering as they come in over the internet and through the, through the baskets. We just, we just thank you for blessing us richly, Lord, beyond our wildest dreams. You bless us, Lord. And we're just grateful that, for that and we give thanks. So if you look in your little newsletter, the, the, the big headline is, uh, Just Like Jesus. Just like the rabbi, that's the goal and purpose you and I have, is to be conformed into the image of Jesus, to become like his son, to carry him, to carry him well. And so we, we gather together, and we gather to, together on a Sunday, we gather to worship. We gather not just to sing songs, but we gather to encounter the living God. We gather to hear the word, we gather to hear testimonies and stories. It's such a joy to be part of a community and part of a family. And so we're going to continue on our journey. In the newsletter it says, their, their desire, the disciples' desire, is for their relationship with God to be exactly like that of the rabbi's relationship with God. And so we have been called, we were called, we were chosen. Each one of us was chosen to be disciples. So there's the, there's the come, there's the come to Jesus, and there's the end, there's the go. There's the come and follow me, and, and as we follow him, we are going to go. I know I've done this before, but uh, Amy, follow me. You must actually follow me. So wherever the rabbi goes, wherever the teacher goes, the disciple goes. She's not used to hugs. But let me give you a hug. You're so beautiful. <laughs> uh, I'm not used to hugs. Sorry, it's the wrong way around. So we, but wherever, we, wherever the rabbi goes, the disciples go. When you say yes to Jesus, everyone here has said yes to Jesus somewhere in their lives, hopefully. If you, hadn't, if you haven't said yes to Jesus, today is the day of salvation. Say yes to Him. Commit to following Him. How do you know you're following Jesus? And this is the question that I was, I was pondering. How do I know that I'm following Jesus? Because I'm watching where he's going. I'm following him as Amy followed me. She had to watch me. So are you watching your Messiah? Are you watching Jesus? He should be in front of you, going ahead of you. And we see what Jesus did in the... In, the, in, in, his, in his ministry and in his life. He was constantly reaching out for people on the fringes. He was going down Stockville Valley. He was uh, helping the refugees. He was uh, those who were sick and those who were, who, were, who were lame. He would be healing them. He'd be raising them up. He'd also be in the, in the synagogues. He'd be challenging the leaders of the day. He'd be teaching. And that's kind of... What we do, sometimes I think 
pastors have this thing that uh, Sunday morning is the end game. Sunday morning is what it's about, and we get excited when there are lots of people on a Sunday morning. But Sunday morning is not the end game. It's the launching pad. It's the launching pad for our life with Jesus. As we gather together as a community. So we're going to read a little bit of scripture today. First scripture is uh, from Luke chapter 5. Reading from verse 1. And this is again Jesus calling his first disciples. On one occasion while the crowd was pressing into him. In on him to hear the word of God, he was standing by the lake of Gennesaret, and he saw two boats by the lake, but the fishermen had gone out of them and were washing their nets. Getting into one of the boats, which was, was Simon's, he asked him to put it out a little f- from the land, and he sat down and taught the people from the boat, and when he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, Put out into the deep and let down your nets for a catch. And Simon answered, Master, we toiled all night and took nothing. But at your word, I will let down the nets. And when they had done this, they enclosed a large number of fish and their nets were breaking. They signaled for their partners and other boats to come and help. And they came and filled both boats and they began to sink. What a story. But when Simon Peter saw it, he fell down on his knees, saying, Depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. For he and all who were with him were astonished at the catch of fish they had taken. And so also were James and John, the sons of Zebedee, who were partners with Simon. And Jesus said to Simon, Don't be afraid. From now on, you will be catching men. And when they brought their boats to land, they left everything and followed him. They left everything to follow him. Isn't that a beautiful story? I know it's a story you have read and probably heard preachers being preached on it many occasions. But I want to just get the wonder of it. The wonder of, uh, uh, of the abundance. Yeah, the abundance of the catch. It's been estimated that this catch was nearly, was nearly one ton of fish that was normally caught. It would take at least two weeks to catch one ton of fish in those days. And there's also, there's one of the little footnotes in one of the Bibles that said there's also a miracle in this, is that the miracle was even greater when we consider that fishing was normally done at night. Just a, but let's have a look at this abundance. Abundance. Just over the top, overflowing. Just the, the, so much so that their boats were, were sinking. They needed help. When, when God blesses us with abundance, it, it overflows. It overflows and, and we need help. And we, uh, Sometimes we think abundance means less work. Not necessarily it means more work. There's more fish to clean, more fish to catch, more nets to be... To, to, uh, uh, to mend, and, and, and then so, so not always there's abundance. Oh, well, I'm just going to sit on my father's yacht and, drip, and drink pims and, and orange or, or whatever, whatever you drink. 
Abundance could, can mean that you have to work even harder. But let's look at Peter's response. I'm looking here at the call of the disciples. At Peter's response. Let me go to the scripture again. And first of all, his first response is, you know, we've been fishing all night and we've caught nothing. But because it's you, but because it's you, okay, we'll do it. And so they go and and they catch this big catch. And then suddenly he sees the abundance and he's just overwhelmed by the abundance. And it's just a very strange reaction. When Peter saw it, he fell down to his knees saying, Depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. That's his response to abundance. I am a sinful man. I mean, he fell to his knees. He fell to his knees. He knew that something something amazing had happened here. And we have a look at a number of instances in the Scriptures. He, at this stage, he didn't know Jesus was God. He didn't know that he was the Messiah. He didn't know that, he was, that Jesus was the one that was going to come and take away the sins of the world. And yet something in him caused him to fall on his face and worship the King. And that's what you and I need to do when we encounter the King. If we have a look at Isaiah 6, that's what happened to Isaiah. He was in the, in the Lord's temple on the, on the, on the, on the, on the day of the Lord. And, and what happened? He encountered the Lord. And he fell on his face and he, and, he just, and he cried out, I'm a man of unclean lips. I think even, even, even Ezekiel, let me see if I can find that scripture in Ezekiel. Ezekiel 1 verse 28, and he's in the presence of God. And this, this is what he says the presence was like. Like the appearance of the bow that is... In the cloud of the rain of day, so was the appearance of the brightness all around. It was this brightness. So was the appearance of the likeness of the glory of the Lord. And when I saw it, I fell on my face and I heard the voice of one speaking and God spoke to him. An encounter with God will call us, cause us to fall on, the, on our faces, to fall on our, on, our, on our knees. It happened to John the... Uh, the Apostle John in, in the book of Revelation. Remember, he had that vision of God. And what did he do? He fell on his face. So in abundance here, Peter falls on his face and he, and he realized that he's, he, is, he is sinful. When we come into the presence of God, when we come into holiness, when we experience in holiness, it, it, it often shows up our, our own sinfulness, our own shortcomings. And so... There's a call here. From the encounter comes a call. We don't just encounter Jesus just to have just a wonderful time and just come and sing beautiful songs and and rejoice and and, uh, have wonderful worship. Uh, we, We have a purpose. He calls us to be disciples, to disciple others. So Jesus' response is, There's nothing to be afraid of. Isn't that good? Isn't that good? Because you and I have a lot to be afraid of. There's a lot of things out there which which if we look at, we get afraid of. But the word of the Lord to you and I today is don't be afraid. Do not yield to your fear. I must not yield to my fear. 
because we, we are called to go and make uh, disciples. We are called to, to catch men. Fishermen catch. What do they catch? They catch fish. Hopefully. Often there's, a, I think it's probably the most uh, unproductive pastime in the whole world. Most fishermen go out and they spend thousands and thousands on equipment and getting there and they catch nothing. But uh, Jesus has just used a great example. He's shown them this great catch. And he says, that's, that's nothing. You think, you think that's marvelous. You think that's a miracle. Wait till you start fishing for men. When you start fishing for, 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 for people. Fishermen catch fish that die and are consumed. But Peter was to catch men and give them life and freedom. That's what we give to people. We have life and freedom to offer people because Jesus lives in us. Isn't that exciting? Isn't that exciting? As we, as we look at the world in which we have, and we see my next door neighbor is, 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 is struggling and, he, and he's, in, he's in a bad way, and now suddenly in, in the middle of the night when my mother-in-law is out in the, in the, in the garden, uh, I don't know what, what, the, what they do out in, late at night in the garden, they're starting to talk about, about life. And, and Dan said, what about Jesus? And so a journey is starting. And at the moment, he's saying, not now, not yet. But I'm praying for him. I'm praying for my next door neighbor that he, would, he wouldn't put it off, that he would say yes to Jesus now. Because that's when real life and real freedom is going to come. So what happens in this, in this Luke chapter 5? Right at the end is this amazing thought and when they had brought their boats to land they left everything and followed him they left everything they just had the most amazing bumper year bumper week it was like uh, uh, the greatest prophets ever. And they just left it to follow this rabbi, to follow Jesus. They left everything and followed Jesus. They didn't know the journey. They didn't know what they were signing up for. They, they, they knew in a sense that they were signing up to follow and become like the rabbi. That was probably all that they knew. But Jesus didn't, right at the beginning, say to Peter, hey, you're going to be crucified upside down. Somebody came to you and said, that's uh, uh, the end game of following me. Would you sign up for that? But we are called to lay down our lives. If we lay down our lives, we find our lives. We lose our lives, we, we, we get our lives. And so Peter goes on this amazing journey, and we might look at it in a little bit more detail in the months ahead. But he goes on this amazing journey of discovery, of, of uh, walking with the rabbi, listening to the rabbi, of becoming like the rabbi, of the rabbi sending them out to, uh, to preach the kingdom of God and heal the sick and, and, and raise the dead and 
cast out demons. And they got to participate with that. And there's times when he, when he had that amazing revelation. He's, when, when Jesus asked, who, who do you say I am? Peter said, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. He had a revelation of who God was. That's why it's so beautiful singing those words about who Jesus was. That's who he is. He is our savior. He is our Lord. He is our everything. And sometimes we don't know that he is our everything until he's all we have. And so, let's turn to Luke chapter 22. Some more scripture. Stick to scripture and you can't go wrong. Verse 31 to 34. Simon, Simon, behold, Satan demanded to have you that, you may, that he might shift you like wheat. But I have prayed for you that your faith may not fail. And when you have turned again, strengthen your brothers. Peter said to him, Lord, I am ready to go with you both to prison and to death. Jesus said, I tell you, Peter, the rooster will not crow this day until you deny three times that you have known me. So Peter here in the story, he's declaring his love. He's declaring, I'm going to go and I'm gonna, I, will, I, will die, I will die for you. I will go to prison for you. And Jesus is saying, Peter, you're going to deny me three times today. I mean, just interesting, if you look at that scripture, it says, Simon, Simon, behold, Satan demanded to have you, that he might shift you like wheat. Sift, shift, sorry. Sift you like wheat. But I have prayed for you that your faith may not fail. So, that you is, not, is a plural word. So, he's actually talking for all the disciples. Yes, he is talking to Peter, but he's talking to all the disciples also. That they're all going to be sifted. They're all going to face some persecutions. They're all going to face challenges. I wish I could say to you, today there's going to be no persecution. There's going to be no challenges to your faith. But... Jesus has prayed for you that your faith may not fail. Isn't that great? Christ is the author and perfecter of your faith and my faith. Peter would have said, maybe he would have said something like this to Jesus, you know, just to put it in modern day language. He said, didn't you, haven't you read the scriptures? Haven't you read Luke chapter 5 verse 11? I gave up everything. I gave up everything to follow you. So what's, what, what's this problem about giving up my life? He, Peter at this stage is convinced that he's not, not going to deny Jesus. Let's turn to Luke chapter 22, verse 54 to 60. Some more scripture. Peter denies Jesus. Then they seized him and led him away, bringing him into the high priest's house. And Peter was following at a distance. And when they had kindled a fire in the middle of the courtyard and sat down together, Peter sat down among them. Then a servant girl, seeing him as he sat in the light and looking closely at him, said, This man 
also was with him. But he denied it. Saying, woman, I do not know him. A little later, someone else saw him and said, you are also one of him. But Peter said, man, I am not. And after an interval about, of about half an hour, still another insisted, saying, certainly this man also was with him, for he too is a Galilean. But Peter said, man, I do not know what you are talking about. And immediately, while he was speaking, the rooster crowed. Rooster, 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 rooster. It's when you have a dyslexic preacher that you have a little bit of problems. I'm going to get roasted for that one. Okay. And the, and the rooster crowed. We got it right. The rooster crowed. And the Lord turned. <laughs> the crowed. The rooster crowed and the rooster crowed. We got it. We got it. We got it. <laughs> Oh, Lord. He uses the foolish to... Uh, yeah, right. And the Lord turned and looked at Peter. And Peter remembered what the Lord... The saying of the Lord. How he had said to him, Before the, ro- the rooster... <laughs> before the rooster, whatever it did. <laughs> you will deny me three times. <laughs> And this was meant to be a very sad part because he went out and wept and we were all laughing. <laughs> and, and, uh, and he went out and wept bitterly. Just imagine the guilt and the shame and the anguish that uh, Peter had, had experienced at that moment. The look, he saw Jesus' eyes and he would, have, he would have wondered, I've blown it forever. The rabbi which I've been walking with for three years, we have been saying, I love you, um, uh, I will follow you wherever you will send me, I will die for you, I'll go to prison for you. And the first thing is a little bit of pressure. And he says, I don't know, I don't know. I'm praying for when persecution comes that the grace of God will be there for me, not to deny my Savior. No roasters. So let's turn again to some more scripture, this time John 21, 1 to 14. Are we doing for time? We're right. Jesus appears to seven disciples. After this, Jesus revealed himself again to the disciples by the Sea of Tiberias. And he revealed himself in this way. Simon Peter, Thomas called the twin, Nathaniel of Cana in Galilee, the sons of Zebedee and two other disciples were going together. Simon Peter said to them, I'm going fishing. They said to him, we'll go with you. They went out and got into the boat. But that night, they caught nothing. Same again. Just as the day was breaking, Jesus stood on the shore. Yet the disciples did not know that it was Jesus. Jesus said to them, children, do you have any fish? They answered him, No. He said to them, cast the nets on the right-hand side of the boat and you will find some. 
So they cast it. And now they were not able to haul it in because of the quantity of fish. The disciples whom Jesus loved therefore said to Peter, It is the Lord. When Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord, he put on his outer garment, for he was stripped for work and threw himself into the sea. Very strange, he put his clothes on to go to swim. The other disciples came in the boat, dragging the net full of fish. So they were not far from the land, but about a hundred yards off. When they got on the land, they saw charcoal, a charcoal fire in the place, in place, with fish laid out on it, and bread. Jesus said to them, bring some of the fish that you have caught. So Simon Peter went aboard and hauled the net ashore, full of, a lar- of large fish, 153 of them. And although there were so many, the net was not torn. Jesus said to them, come and have breakfast. Now, now none of the disciples dared to ask, who are you? They knew it was the Lord. Jesus came and took bread and gave it to them. And so, with, and so ate it with the fish. This was now the third time Jesus had revealed, to the, had revealed himself to the disciples. What a story again. It's another great fishing story. Get the, get the, get the point here. If you're going to fish without Jesus, you're going to catch nothing. How does that apply to running a business? It means you run it with Him. How does that apply to when you're teaching people who are struggling to learn? It means He's with you in that. This is not just some story 2,000 years ago that has no application for today. This is the Jesus, the, the, the Jesus that lives in us. Still wanting making a difference. Still wanting us to, to uh, catch abundance for good, for good work, for good building, for good uh, sale, selling of houses, for, for the IT people. To do well. Why? Because when you do well, the city does well. Everybody prospers. And so here we have, again, in John, where we're going to John, another scripture. Wait, before I go there. What do we do when we, when we mess up? What did Peter do when he messed up here? He reverted back to what he was doing before. He took a step backwards. We're not meant to go back to do what we're going to, what we do, just because we messed up. We're meant to come to Jesus, and that's the, the beauty of the story. The, this is a, I love Peter because he messed up, and I mess up, and I'm sure that you mess up occasionally. Occasionally. Occasionally we sin and get it wrong and we, and we offend people. What do we have to do? We have to pick ourselves up. Ask for forgiveness. Maybe ask them for forgiveness. Move on. That's what, that's what we've got to do. We don't go, go back fishing. I, uh, we were on a journey coming back from Johannesburg. And as a family, we have this CD Chris Rea, the greatest hits of Chris Rea. And there's a song. There's a song which the family all laugh and I sing aloud. And uh, I'm just trying to find it. 
and it's called I'm Going Fishing. And it's this beautiful song. It's uh, Chris Rear. I'm going fishing. I got me a line. Nothing I do is going to make the difference, so I'm taking time. And you ain't going to be happy anyhow. So I'm going fishing. I'm going fishing. It sounds crazy, I know. <laughs> but I might as well go fishing. <laughs> and, and isn't that the, the disciples? We've been following Jesus, but let's go fishing. And Jesus meets them. And they're, on the, on the, uh, they're, back, uh, they're back trying to get the, resuscitate the business again. And it's not going well. They're still not catching any fish. And so, they are called. And there's a second chance. So today is about second chance. Have you messed up? Have you messed up so badly that you feel God can't use you anymore? I don't care how old you are, whether you... 80-something, 93, God can use each of us. You can catch fish. I'm skipping whole wads of stuff. But right at the end, right at the end, in John chapter 21, and we know the story well, Jesus comes to Simon and he says, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me more than these? Do you love me more than the business, the fish? Do you love me more than these disciples? He said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. What does he say? Feed my sheep. He said to him a second time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, tend my sheep. He said to him a third time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was grieved because he had said to him the third time, do you love me? And he said to him, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my sheep. And right at the end of the story, he recommissions Jesus. Uh, Peter, good thing. Just keeping you on your toes to see if you haven't fallen asleep. And after saying all this, he tells Peter how he's going to die. He says, follow me. That's what we're called to. We are called to follow me. He doesn't actually confront Peter here on his denial. He doesn't say to, say to Peter, oh, you're a bad person. You denied me three times. He doesn't say that. He said, do you love me? And I, <laughs> Jesus denied him three times. Peter asked him the question three times. There's been many sermons preached on that. Peter was discipled by Jesus. And now Jesus sent him out to disciple others. If you are a disciple, if you are a follower of Jesus, you're meant to be discipling others. You're meant to be walking with, with others. Say yes to Jesus. I want you to say yes to Jesus again today. Let's stand.
Jesus is calling you from the shore. He's calling you and he's saying, come. Come follow me. I want to restore you. I want to redeem you. I want you to step into what I have called you to. So let's pray. Pray after me. Lord Jesus, again today, we decide to follow you. We say, wherever you go, we will follow. Thank you, Lord. Amen.